0: If you would, please open up with me and your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. This one's been stewing for three weeks, so we'll see what we got. 1 Kings chapter 19. While you're opening there, I have a word, a word about discouragement. Where are you discouraged today? Where are you discouraged? It's not whether you are or you're not. Where are you discouraged? Let's be real. Okay, Sunday morning, you're in the house of the Lord. Don't lie. You can lie to me. Don't lie to the Lord. Where are you discouraged? Is it physical, emotional, or spiritual? Or is it some combination of the three? At any given point in our lives, some form of discouragement is almost always near. I don't mean this to be depressing, though it is and should be sobering. It's simply the reality of living in a world where sin currently exists. Sin and suffering, trial and tribulation, either of our own doing, where we kick ourselves, or when someone kicks us, or something. Thankfully, wherever the discouragement might be in your lives today, God has a word for you, and it comes out of 1 Kings chapter 19. He speaks of how we might transition from discouragement to encouragement, and it's three steps. It's our main point, three steps to get from discouragement to encouragement. I hope this piqued your interest. It certainly has mine as I have ruminated on these Bible verses. For the past some days. This is 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 9 through 18. Let me pray before I read. Oh God bless the reading of this word. Your word is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword in the hands of the Holy Spirit and so Lord do a work. Even as we have prayed we pray again do a work oh God do a work through your word which you have given us and preserved for us Throughout the generations, God, bless this reading and work. In Jesus' name, amen. This is 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Elijah. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael, to be king over Syria. And Jehu, son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. Uh, Excuse me, Syria and then Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. The grass withers, the flowers fade. This word right here, along with the rest of the scriptures, it stands forever. It remains. We'll have it in heaven with us. So even here in the closest place to heaven that we'll get, may we heed such word. All right. Three steps to get from discouragement to encouragement. Here are the three steps. Number one, recognition of our own incapability. Number two, recognition of who God is. Number three, recognition that God's plan is large, working, and unstoppable. Let's start with step one recognition of our own incapability. Verses 9 and 10 of our text, Elijah has been on a God-sustained and God-ordained 40-day trip through the wilderness to the mountain of God. That's the context. Three weeks ago, that's where we were. An angel said to Elijah, after feeding him some cakes that I said was like cornbread, if you remember that, hey, here's some cornbread, now go, go. The Lord is calling you to the mountain of God. After all this walking, after being told by that angel to go there, God has a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) What do you mean? You you told me, right? You, You were the one who told me to come. But remember, whenever God asks a question, we must recognize that God already knows the answer. Okay? This is a key tenet to recognizing how God communicates with his people. God is all-knowing, right? If God is all-knowing, he needs ask no question. He already knows the answer. Therefore, if he's asking his people a question, he is trying to reveal something to them. A very famous one is with Adam and Eve. I actually just wrote a devotion on this uh, this last week. You can check it out if you haven't had opportunity to. Uh, This reality is as Adam and Eve sin, they're hiding. They realize they're naked and they're trying to put these loincloths on and God swoops in with the wind and says, hey, y'all, where are you? God knows where they are. He's God. What have you done? Have you eaten of that fruit I told you not to eat of? He knows the answer, but he's seeking to reveal something. God is seeking to communicate something, and God is doing the same thing here. What is Elijah doing there? Elijah's quick to answer, right? He's got a very well-articulated answer that he he actually says twice. He does it in pride, actually. You'll see that, perhaps, as we get a little bit deeper into this. Uh, Maybe kind of a cheesy way to say it, you, you can't spell pride without I, right? There's an I. And whenever you see this, uh, these people in the Bible start to use the word I, especially when they're talking to God, we should get nervous, right? We should get nervous when we do that in our own lives. Verse 10, notice it this time. This is, this is Elijah answering God. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel, right? The fingers pointed have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. For Elijah, his discouragement centered around his own incapability to change people. Because of that, he couldn't understand why the fruits of his labor, Israel, right? He's the prophet called to minister to Israel, okay? Why the fruits of his labor, why they looked so sickly. And in that moment, he falls into despair. Remember last three weeks ago, he, he's sleeping under the broom tree. He says, I just want to die. It's true despair. So it wasn't fake or, uh, you know, kind of emotional rise that, that's just hyperbole. He, he was being serious. His despair was that real and tangible He fell into despair, into a discouragement that he just couldn't shake. And here's the point. No matter your success, when you start to play the I game in life, when you play long enough, eventually you'll end up falling short of the mark that you set, which is where the discouragement creeps in. The first step on the road to encouragement, is to recognize that you are not God. You cannot do it all. And even if you could, you still wouldn't be able to do it perfectly as God does. It sounds so obvious, right, to say, "Eh, just stop being God. Stop trying to be God. It's not going to work out for you. But in practice, we walk that line more than we realize. For instance, here are a couple questions. Why do you expect people to do what you say? Why well, I'm the boss, right? That's why. Why do you think your opinions are better? Well, I know. Why do you expect so much of yourself? Well, who else is going to do it? I have to do it. Why do you expect so much of others? Well, why couldn't he do that? I can do that. You notice those eyes, how easily they creep in? The answers to these questions, and those like them, there are a myriad more, that they reveal our tendency to, not maliciously, though sometimes maliciously, to accidentally stop revealing God and start trying to be God. We, we take our image-bearing nature because we are created in the image of God, but we warp it in the fall, Right? And we start, instead of, instead of bearing the image, we try to be the image. And it always fails miserably. Of course, discouragement would follow something like that. We're just not God. We always like to think about our weaknesses as sources of discouragement. Yeah, you know, Jeremiah is discouraged this week. He tried to pick up soccer it's not working out for him. He's never played soccer before in his life. He's discouraged. That's not so discouraging, right? That actually doesn't bother me one lick. I, I, I didn't take up soccer, by the way. I probably never will because I'm not so good at it. But that doesn't discourage me. It, oftentimes, it's the opposite, right? It's not our weaknesses that cause discouragement. It's our strengths, right, that keep us in that deep-set discouragement. Because it's different if 40 people come up to me afterwards and said, Jeremiah, you bombed the sermon." It was horrible. You took the word and you misrepresented it. You warped it. It was like you were ripping the Bible up. My perceived strength would be my downfall at that point, And my discouragement would reign. Right? Your perceived strengths are where your discouragements sneak in. And they deep set into you. And they hold on to your very bones. Because we fail to recognize our own incapability. Step one, recognize that you are incapable, that we must look outside of ourselves. And that, in and of itself, is step two. Shining brightly forth. Recognition of who God is, verses 11 through 14. A command from God comes that forces Elijah's eyes off himself and into searching or looking for God. Literally, hey, go outside and stand before the presence of the Lord. Okay, okay. So all of a sudden, Elijah can't look at himself. He's got to look and see what God's about to do. And suddenly, we see through the eyes of Elijah, God's power manifested. His strength and control as creator God is put on full display with wind and earthquake and fire. But these are devices meant to reveal who God is and how powerful he is. They are not God. I hope you, rep- I hope you saw that. Um, God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake, right? They're just manifestations. Look what I can do, Elijah, is what is happening. God is revealing himself, but but he is not coming in person, right? After God reveals his power, he then comes in person, and it comes in a whisper. And we know that he comes in person with this whisper because of Elijah's reaction. There's no COVID-19 where Elijah is, okay? He's not putting his mask on when he wraps the cloak around his face, okay? He is in the very presence of God and he recognizes that if he doesn't cloak up, he's gonna burn up, okay? You can't come into the presence of God without a mediator. Those are God's words in Deuteronomy chapter five. They need a mediator, Moses. That's what he said in Deuteronomy five, when God spoke, okay? So when God comes and he's gonna speak, you better hide in the cleft of the rock. You better cloak up you better take your sandals off whatever it is and wherever you find it in the scriptures you begin to realize we might be in the presence of god without a mediator which means either we're in trouble or we're in for something big right and elijah begins to realize that something like that is happening and then the question is asked again what are you doing here Elijah. And his answer is exactly the same. Remember, he's only on step two of the three-step process of transition from discouragement to encouragement. Even in the presence of God, he still can't get over himself. But even so, he's forced to recognize who God is, all-powerful, all-controlling, and willing to meet with him and speak to him, even when, get this, Elijah is still in the process of getting his eyes off himself and onto God. God is revealing himself in mercy and grace and power and justice all at the same time as he's gracing Elijah with his presence, as he's forcing Elijah to answer questions that God already knows the answer to, but Elijah doesn't know the answer to. And here's the question for us. Have you recognized this God and who he is because usually this is right where we find ourselves willing to go to church but not willing to take our eyes off of our navel and look up into the heavens we are always willing to go to church but can we get our eyes off ourselves that is a tougher question to answer when we're being truthful when we're thinking through it Have you recognized this God? This is the God who comes to his people not by destructive wind. He's not there. Not by the rendering asunder of the earth. He's not there. Not by the destructive fire. He's not there. He comes in the still, small whisper in our darkest and most discouraged moment when we aren't even willing to look at God. Because we're so entranced by ourselves and our discouragement. We're cycling down so hard and the swirl is so deep. The undertow is pulling us so much that we cannot get out. Our discouragement has won. It's over. If it was up to us. But it's not. This is when God looks to his people and begins to reveal that third step. This transition from recognizing our own inadequacies into recognizing who God is, the one who is coming, the one who is speaking, the one who is revealing, this God himself who is completing the process from going from discouragement to encouragement. This is the moment in verses 15 through 18 when we see step three, recognition that God's plan is large, working, and unstoppable. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Christian? What are you doing here? For real. What are you doing here? Has anyone ever forced you to answer that question? Or have you been able to squirm out from under the weight of your own feeling of inadequacy and lie, right? That's what America, that's what our culture encourages us to do in the 21st century. Have you been forced to lie, to act like you've been doing it all? Because everyone else is lying too and saying they've been doing it all. Only one person can do it all, right? No, depending on who you talk to at any given institution, I do it all. It's all on me. If I wasn't there, just things, this thing wouldn't work, right? Everybody's doing it all, but it seems like uh, certain institutions aren't working so well, right? Have have you been forced to lie because everyone else is lying? It's a vicious cycle and circle that plays out at work and at home and at school. How long have you been studying? Oh hours i've been studying like 20 24 hours straight that's how long i've been studying really have you really been studying I'm looking at y'all some of y'all are home right now I got some of you guys you know listen you haven't been studying for 24 hours straight come on uh, you know, but, but yeah, that, that's, the, that's the cycle that we're in, right? And, and that's the thing is that people are being serious when they say that. And then you feel like you've got to one up or you've got to be a part of that. It's, this, it's vicious and, and it catches us in it. And we begin to flow down and we can't get out. It's vicious torrent. But Elijah tries to go down that path and we see something incredible. He's speaking to God and God says, what are you doing here, Elijah. Oh, you know, you know, this is what Elijah says. I've been busy. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's a bit hard, but I'm doing this thing. You know, I'm busy. Everyone else isn't doing so good, right? You know, everyone else isn't doing, but I'm, I'm here. I'm working so hard, pulling a lot of late nights. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I love it, but it's hard. I'm stressed, you know, but I'm busy, but, but it's good. You know, I'm trying real hard, right? He, he starts to mumble and fumble and it doesn't really make a lot of sense when you start to really think about it. And God's answer forces Elijah away from himself. You know, the only self-sustaining entity in the universe is God. There is no other self-sustaining entity. No matter how hard we try to act like we can self-sustain in this life, we're lying to ourselves and to others because there's only one, and it's God. Only God self-sustains. Everyone else, all of humanity, all of creation, all of the universe has to have help or it's over it's over. That is a biblical reality and one that we have to come to grips with if we confess in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a basic tenet of the gospel. Only God self sustains. And he does it and reveals it to Elijah that his self-sustaining moment extends in mercy and grace and he gives us the sustaining that we need, the comfort, the peace, the joy, and everything else that comes along with it. And we see it in those points that I put in step three. Large, working, unstoppable. Notice it in verses 15 through 18. God has a plan, and it's working, and so now God gives Elijah the plan. It's large, taking into account not only people, but nations. Not only one king, but many kings. It's working, taking effect not only through Elijah, but through the faithful one to come, Elisha, right? It's unstoppable. Judgment is coming for the enemies of God. I hope you noticed it. If he doesn't get them, this guy's going to get them. If this guy doesn't get them, Elisha's going to get them, right? I mean, it's like, it's set up. It's unstoppable. There's no way around it. Judgment is coming for the enemies. And preservation and salvation is coming for the followers. Listen, Elijah, there are those who haven't bent the knee. I'm going to keep them. Don't worry. You don't have to to keep them. I'm going to keep them. I'm God, right? That's what he's revealing. And in all of this, as we think, do I, can I do this? If this is on me, discouragement follows, right? But if we do not neglect God's revelation, encouragement must follow after a hard look at God and the plan that is large and working and unstoppable. It's step three. It's step three. Do you recognize that? today. Here is an application, and this is how we'll end. What is your sentence of discouragement? What is your sentence of discouragement to God? Whether it's right now, after this service, tonight, sometime this week, write down your sentence of discouragement and do what I'm about to do. Because Elijah has a sentence of discouragement. He says it twice, actually. Uh, I bet you you've said your sentence more than twice, if, if I had to guess. I've said mine more than twice. What is your sentence of discouragement? I'm being serious. Write it down. Write it down and do what I'm about to do. And listen to me well, dear Centennial family. If you have trouble doing what I'm about to do, never forget that you have a minister of word and sacrament who is ready and waiting for your word and sentence of discouragement that I might show you from the word, not from myself, how God is ready and waiting with a large working and unstoppable plan and even the most intense trials and tribulations that might be discouraging you today. Let's see Elijah's sentence I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Let's take it piece by piece. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. No, Elijah, I have been very jealous for you, seeking you, even when you seek yourself over me. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, You're right, Elijah, but I will establish a new covenant with them, a new covenant that I will fulfill and that they cannot break. They have thrown down your altars, but I will reveal myself another way. I will show them a better way to worship me in spirit and in truth. They have killed your prophets with the sword And so it will be, Elijah, for the life is in the blood and the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Of course the prophets will be called to the same call as the Lord Jesus that they reveal. Of course, Elijah, what did you expect? I, even I only, am left No, Lord, or no, Elijah, you're not. I am with you, and I will never leave nor forsake you, for I will forsake my own son in your stead. Jesus will be alone on the cross, that you will never be alone and apart from me. That is the gospel that I tell you. They seek my life to take it away. Your life is mine. They cannot snatch anything out of my hand, and I've got you in my hand. Elijah, you're mine. They cannot take anything away from you. Dear Christian, today, what is your sentence of discouragement? What is it? As I said before, I know you have one. What is it? And how does God answer such things? Three steps. Recognize your own inadequacy. Recognize who God is. And recognize that your God has a plan that is large and working and unstoppable. And it's the very salvation of his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for a word in season, one that we need in a discouraging year, a discouraging time. Lord, you are there revealing to us what encouragement is. You, the very presence of you, and you're working on our behalf. And so God, work for us in Jesus' name. Amen.